Hello, and thank you for downloading Retrograding. We are so very excited to finally have you good people listen to these episodes we spent the past few months working on. It is our launch day, which means we are going to be releasing four episodes throughout the day. If you don't get them all today, that's totally fine. You have two weeks into our next episode, so parse them out however you see fit. Uh, Because we are so new, we'd like to encourage you to like and share our Facebook page and share our episodes with any of the 80s and 90 kids you know. We would really appreciate it as it'll help the show grow. Also, because we are so new, uh, you will notice we have some weird edits. We play with the format a bit, and we have a whole host of sound issues. We get it. We know. Each episode is still a lot of fun, and we're going to figure out that tech stuff as we move along. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud if you'd like to contact her or hear more. So episode two is going to be released around 10 a.m. today. I will talk to you then. I will get you your episodes now. So let's have some fun. This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult perspectives to their favorite childhood movies. This week, we are looking at The Goonies and determining if our nostalgia is warranted. Alright, so we're going to start off with a in-depth adult perspective on the film play-by-play. Are you guys ready to get into it? Yes. Yes. Alright, so what I figured I'd do is I'm going to go through the movie specific plot points you guys just interrupt me anytime you want with your personal perspectives on what you saw i am well prepared this movie starts off that i forgot and i might have to eat some of humble pie because i made the claim that i could give you a play-by-play scene-by-scene you, you of this movie in the this. previous episode yes and i could not there's so many things i forgot the first thing i forgot this movie opens up with the camera going into the eye of a skull and then slowly coming out. And this is the introduction to a children's movie, uh, which is always the best way to start a movie, is forcing children to accept their eventual mortality. I mean, only if you're a pirate, really, in this movie. (laughs) Uh, So, first scene, act one, scene one. We've got pretty boy Pavarotti, uh, Jake Fratelli, getting out of jail. Is that what his name is? Uh, Jake Fratelli? Yeah. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> I just like opera singer son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real Italian name, Jake. Okay. I, I had forgotten it opened with him breaking out by faking his own death. Yeah, I didn't remember it until we until the, I saw the movie again. I'm like, oh, yeah. Hanging person in a jail cell. Great way to start a children's <laughs> film. I feel like 80s kids movies were... They got away with a lot Yeah, more. there was a lot more yeah. going on then than there are in the kids' movies today. The, the way that he escapes is by pretending to hang himself so that the lone guard and apparently the only cop in the station comes to check out on him. Uh, he picks up the paper that Jake has written as a suicide note, which starts as, You schmuck. 
And the guy decides to keep reading very slowly. And apparently he can only read it as fast as he is speaking because he never looks up to Jake the entire time. He's like, you schmuck, you really think I would kill myself. I mean, maybe he thought the note was going to be like, you schmuck, I totally killed myself. Maybe schmuck was just You thought you could hold him. me in this cell, so I killed myself. Also, he's wearing a full suit in the jail cell, where all the other convicts are in jump shoots. So what is this place? Because just after this, the other Fratelli brother is spreading gasoline at the opening to this building, and nobody takes notice. Is it... Is it a jail or a prison? Like, how long has he been in there? It's definitely not a prison, because there is no gate around the thing. Okay. Yeah, it's they a pretty small jailhouse. Right so, in front of the place. So maybe it's a jail because he's... And they have to break him out now before he gets transferred? Right. This might be like a holding cell, but yeah, how did they get him? Was it like a drunken disorderly? Did they catch one know. and not any of the others? It's None of never this makes explained. sense. Cause yes. That could be the tagline to this movie. The Goonies, none of this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but they, they spread all the gasoline. It's- yes, and nobody, no cop stops Jake from running out of the building. Again, that guy he knocked out was the only cop. But yet they have enough people later for the car chase. Oh, yes, of course. So Jake gets out. Other brother shoots the fire. Or gasoline, creating a, a wall of fire. Is that how gasoline, shooting gasoline works? Um, no. <laughs> I was like, I am not <laughs> a, a physicist, chemist, whatever, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how bullets work. Uh, it's definitely not. Also, opening fire on a group of policemen should have caused them to react in kind. So I I get that the police can't run through the fire. At least that's what we're led to believe, because the flames aren't that high. But you know what fire doesn't stop? Bullets. They They should have just shot them right there. Problem solved. Couldn't they just have thrown a match out the window, which wouldn't have been like, I shot a bullet, I need to shoot back immediately, and set the fire better? Yeah, or like, like a Zippo lighter that would keep the flame going. Anything except shooting the gasoline. Yeah, that's the worst way to start this. Uh, turns out, oh, the wall of fire, completely useless. As soon as they leave, another cop car turns around, and we have the beginning of one of my favorite chase scenes in a movie. Because they are running through town, through pedestrian walkways, with no care or consideration to any of the citizens of this town. Meanwhile, they are shooting and nobody is noticing that this car chase is going on. Yeah, because then they go by Mouth's house, and he's watching a movie mm-hmm. or something on TV with the police chase and gun shooting, and his dad it, tells it's him like to turn a it off. And when he turns it off, they're still shooting and car chase sounds, and he's like, wait, what? wait, what's is, going on? To clarify, this is not a Western. There are sirens in that it's movie. It's true, oh, and right. cars. It was, like a, was it like a gangster movie? I, it might Possibly. have been. There's a lot of TV in this movie. It's true. Uh, there's a lot of shows in a show. During this car chase, we get Mama eating cheese because Mama don't care what's going on. <laughs> she really doesn't care about a whole lot of things in this. No, she doesn't. No. She doesn't care about the well-being of her sons. She doesn't care about saving children's lives. Anyway, we are like cheese. five seconds into this movie. Uh, but we get our introduction of characters. Mark talked yes. about Mouth. We also meet Andy, who is at cheerleader practice. Uh, the next 
person we meet is Sarah's favorite part. Can you describe what's going on in this? Uh, Steph? Uh, don't name her, because the film does not she, give her a name until the very it's end. It's true. No one talks about her name ever, but she is Andy's friend, and she is bobbing for crabs in a bucket. And she pulls one out <laughs> and with her mouth, and then she throws it away. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what this explains about her character, except that she is amazing and my favorite, and I relate to her on a spiritual level. Also, I'm going to... I'm going to refer to her as nameless because the film does not introduce her at all. And uh, this film is doing what I'm going to call barbarism, which is named after the character in Stranger Things they did the same thing to, is they take a beautiful actress and they hide her behind uh, unfortunate clothing choices, a bad haircut, and a pair of glasses. Well, she loses the glasses pretty quickly, though, and then she's like, oh, she looks pretty normal. Oh, you know, there's a reason for that. Was it so Andy looks more attractive? No, actually, on the special features of the DVD, it talks about that none of the people, apparently, like the production team, liked the way she looked with the glasses, so they purposely had them fall off and get broken so she didn't have to wear them for the rest of the movie. Because she never seems to be hindered by it. No, it never comes up. Anyway, we continue going through our list of characters. We find Data. Uh, He tests an invention, and it saves his life. Because apparently he was going to get run over by these cop cars. Uh, and then we run into Chunk, for whatever reason, smashes his milkshake into the wall and it yeah. gets all over his face. Yep. And that is the first curse word of the movie. <laughs> Don't worry, right. there will be many more. Oh, so many, so more. many more. Uh, so the final part of the Fratelli's escape, which apparently they have planned to the letter, is to arrive at a beach just as they're doing an RV race across the shore. Only Mama knew this. So they, they escape, the police lose them, we catch up with them later in the film. They don't go very far. They really don't. Uh, they, we return to the home of the, uh, what was his last name? Marshes. Uh, with Mikey and Brand Marsh, oh. played by Sean Astin and Josh Brolin. So one of the things I like when they're zooming into the house, the mailboxes, it looked like they said us and them. Ha! The way I did they not were- notice that. I don't know if that's what they were supposed to originally say, but they had, like, the wording had been, like, uh, worn away so much. That's what it looked like it said, and I thought that was So cute. you think one of the set designers mm-hmm. was a Pink Floyd fan? No. I don't get that <laughs> reference. It's a song. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Right, so we have a, uh, a boys' day out. Uh, Josh Brolin and Mikey are home. Um, they have a very touching moment before Josh Brolin benches Mikey. They they have a lot of touching moments in this movie. They do. It is a it's an emotional through line that really sells the movie. Because there's a lot of stuff that is weird and going on. The emotional notes of this movie still hit very well. I thought they had a very, very realistic relationship where half the time they were bickering and... Uh, it was just ridiculous, and then when it really counted, uh, Josh Brolin's character was really there for his little brother, and it was—it looked like a real relationship that had ups and downs, and I thought that was great. And I think it, it works to this day, even 30 years later. Mikey's friends start coming in. So first we meet Mouth, who is just the, the quintessential annoying kid who shows the up at your— Yeah, shows up at yes, your house completely worst. unannounced. 
uh, starts ragging on everyone, thinks he's a part of the family, but clearly isn't. Next, we have to arrive Chunk. Also, the kind of the worst. Yeah, I felt really bad for him because he is forced to do the truffle shuffle to enter the home. Yes. And, like, why would you do this? He doesn't want to do this. Because mouth is the worst. Uh, but we do get this great Rube Goldberg machine, the first out of, like, five in this movie, to open the gate and let Chunk into the house. Apparently, Mouth did not have to do this, or he simply walked around, which is another option. Maybe the back door has one that's much simpler and doesn't need someone from the inside to do it. Oh, I love that idea, where there's still a Rube Goldberg machine. It's just that any visitor can do it on their own. To open this gate... It relies on dropping a bowling ball, with it, which inflates a balloon, which pops, which causes a chicken to drop an egg, which hits a stick, which causes a football to be kicked, that hits a target, that starts a sprinkler, that spins, pulling the rope, and opening the gate for Trunk. This is the most complicated way to open this gate in the world. And it made me think, is there any parents living in this house? Is it a just all boys time all the time and i'm sure the kids know to how fair, to build the that dad thing has like really really an entire easily. museum in their attic so maybe he's like whatever it's true uh yo you guys live downstairs i'll live in this attic um, all right so boys keep filing in we get data who flies in on a zip line hopefully from his house though it's never explained this could just be a neighbor's home that data breaks into to slide in that can the first time he broke the door though they were like oh we forgot the door like them forgetting the door had happened before how many times have they had to replace that door because data can't give them more than a few <laughs> seconds of warning yeah it's just the only warning they get is he starts playing the theme song from the james bond movies uh, that's a story that's a line that kind of gets dropped about halfway through him oh being yeah because like, he's 007 they call him double o negative and then that stops. It's never mentioned at, <laughs> after about halfway through. Well, yeah, about halfway through, his inventions start becoming useful. There's a specific cutoff point, I think, between the, the flashlights and the, the chomper. Or maybe it's the slick shoes. Those those were probably the most, well, other than the pinchers of peril that kept him the from impaling himself when he fell down the <laughs> hole. All right, so kids are in the home. Oh, Data comes in. Uh, creating a domino effect for the kids. Everyone gets knocked down. Uh, and they end up crashing the mother's statue of David. And one of my favorite lines gets spoken here where Mikey goes, they they broke off my mom's favorite part because they, <laughs> they managed to break off um, the statue of David's uh, one-eyed willy, if you will. <laughs> Are we going to have a different euphemism for each episode that fits? Oh, oh please, let's. Uh, so people keep filing in. We meet uh, Rosalita, who is the maid that they are hiring, I think, to pack up the house because the mom's arm is broken? Yes. Uh, but it raises the question. The mom only speaks English. Rosalita only speaks Spanish. Yeah, how did they How find did her? this arrangement happen? How did Do you the have conversation any insight for go? us, Mark? I know nothing. <laughs> Dang it. Mouth terrorizes Rosalita uh, by translating all of Mrs. Marsh's instructions incorrectly. Uh, In perfectly that... fluent Spanish somehow. Yeah, they never, oh, under they never explain why a seemingly non-Hispanic 12-year-old is entirely fluent. Like... It's never explained. No. It's, it's, it's necessary. Nothing makes sense yeah, is this movie in its entirety. 
it, it he's only fluently Spanish because it's entirely necessary for the rest of the movie to happen. <laughs> or else they would have had to take Rosalita with them. Yeah, so and the imagine three that movie. Her, uh, you keep the drugs in the dresser. Uh, the top floor is for Mr. Marsh's sex toys. Uh, and, oh, if she is, if she misbehaves at all, she'll be locked in a closet with no food or water for, like, two weeks. Yep. <laughs> this is her introduction to this family, and she decides to stay. Mouth is the worst. Maybe she has children, and she's just like, the family's not weird. This little kid is just a weirdo, and he needs to leave. Well, it does come up later, but we will get to that. Uh, so we learned that the mom, Walsh, is leaving for one hour. That is all the time that Brand needs to watch Mikey, uh, but he cannot manage it for, like, five minutes. So they decide that uh, we learn Dad is an assistant curator at the museum, stores a treasure trove of artifacts in the attic. Apparently he's just been taking his work home with him for years and just deciding which part will go in the museum and which part is in his private collection. You think that it's not, like... They're going to be well kept in there. Those are going to break down real fast in a weird Oh, attic. yeah. It is, it is not temperature controlled. Yeah, well, you know how small the, the jail was. I mean, it could just be that it's a small town museum that doesn't have any storage, so they had to stick it at his house. That so is true. They've got, like, one cop, the world's tiniest <laughs> museum, but yet they have the biggest country club in the world. Oh, <laughs> and the country yeah. club is expanding. Yeah. Because it's taking over the Goondocks, which I did not remember why they were called Goonies. I thought it was just a fun nickname. Uh, I, but I watched it with subtitles. They live in the Goondocks, which yep. did not dawn on me as a child. I thought it was the Boondocks, and the Goonies was just a fun name they had. Uh, so the Goonies plan, uh, before they move out and Data goes to Detroit, uh, is to steal some artifacts and take some treasure with them. Everybody is on board with this plan except for Mikey, and they rush upstairs into the attic. And the nice music cue tells us that we found something important as Mikey discovers the map of One-Eyed Willie. His spiritual soulmate. Mm-hmm. Well, they both share a love of Rube Goldberg machines. It's true. <laughs> except in One-Eyed Willie's time, it wouldn't be called that because Rube Goldberg hadn't invented them yet. Oh, you know what? These are probably one-eyed Willie machines that Rube they Goldberg are. appropriated. <laughs> now, that just, with your earlier euphemism here, that, that just brings a whole new meaning. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. We're on the 16-minute mark here. After Mikey discovers the map, we get our first uh, introduction of Brand's special nickname, Josh. Uh, Data screams at him uh, as he is touching the thing that Data's been touching for the past five minutes. Uh, so uh, we get the one-eyed woolly map. Uh, so we discover Mouth is excellent in 17th century Spanish as well. And he reads our first clue, which is, Ye intruders beware, crushing death and grief, soaked with blood of trespassing thief. Which sounds like the perfect way to start <laughs> does, your adventure. Does that mean anything? Uh, let's see. Don't trespass or you will die, is basically what right. that amounts to. Also, so they immediately do it. <laughs> every single one of these is written in 17th century Spanish, 
but rhymes in English in the translation. Yeah, I remember noticing Whoa. that the first time I watched this. Uh, so Sean Astin relays the uh, the myth of the pirate that his father told him. At which something point, about... by now, Mikey is has totally overdosed on asthma medicine and... Oh yeah, he takes like three hits in ten minutes. This whole movie takes place over like a day. Yeah. And he has, he went through like the entire bottle. He is... <laughs> He has had way too much. Way too much. Uh, Chunk once again gives us a, um, a plot point here by discovering the one newspaper that is very important to the plot, uh, detailing Chester Cobblepot, who says he has the key to One-Eyed Willie. It's Copperpot. Cobblepot? Copperpot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best name, right? Yes, I, I yeah. keep confusing it with uh, the Penguin's real name, which I believe is Cobblepot. I think that is true. <laughs> that I but, do not know. <laughs> no, Chester Copperpot is, it sounds like a fake name, it's but it turns out, it no, that is, is his real name. a fake name in a movie. <laughs> but I mean, it sounds like it should be an alias, but no, they find his driver's license. It really yeah, is his that's name. true. Wait, wait, wait. So in your mind, this treasure hunter doesn't want, he wants to maintain some anonymity. And so he's going to change his name, become the most famous treasure hunter in history. Chester Copperpot. <laughs> hey, there's a singer who changed his name from something normal to Engelbert Humperdinck, so... <laughs> there you go. I did not know that. Anyway, if they find the treasure, they can save the town, or at least the goondocks. Uh, but nobody seems into it except for Mikey at this time. Dealing stuff was okay. Treasure hunting, not okay. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. So we meet our evil land developers, which are In the true coats. villains of this movie. In matching coats. All evil 80s bad guys are identical in coat suits. They all are just the same. It's so that they can be easily identified. How would we know that they're bad unless they're all wearing the same costume? Uh, But we get another penis joke here as they leave. Uh, They say that their home is going to turn into a sand trap. Mikey relays, and I hope they never get their balls out. Even they kind of know that joke is lame because someone like kind of just looks at Mikey and is like, maybe not. Yeah, really? Think this one through, buddy. Uh, so we get another touching moment with Josh Brolin, oh, who it's... is a jerk, but comes gives Mikey a hug and then carries him away in a headlock. Yeah, he, like, dra- it, it's such a <laughs> cute little, like, drag across the porch. It's adorable. Oh, yeah, it's the most realistic brother moment I could think to put up in a film. Uh, let's see. So the kids escape by wordlessly hatching a plan uh, and subduing Josh Brolin with gym equipment. Like the most 80s gym equipment ever. It's the, the pull arm thing. Mm-hmm. Coils attached to coils. And when, when the mom comes back, she doesn't even help him. He's like <laughs> on the floor tied to the chair. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, can you help me? No, no, no. I got to put the groceries away. Can you untie me from the chair? No, no, no. <laughs> and I'm pretty not. sure the maid at that point... Is that when she's like, what is wrong with this family? She says something about more about the, the sex toys from the upstairs or something. <laughs> yeah, and, which leads me to believe she completely <laughs> believes Mouth's story. To her, this is the most insane family ever. And Bran just lying there is something she does not want to be a part of. Well, to be fair, they find a pirate ship later. Maybe it is the most insane family ever. So the kids are escaping. Uh, Brand. After the mom comes back, so an hour later, goes out to find that his tires have been deflated by the kids, and he steals a bike from what I can only assume to be Data's sister, 
uh, though she does not show up at the end. Because uh, otherwise, if it's not Data Sister, he's just being a jerk to a little Asian girl, stealing her pink bike with training wheels. And then uh, he, he gets broken later. Oh, yeah. She never Troy's, gets that bike Troy's back. Troy's a super jerk. Uh, but he doesn't know where he's going. The kids have left with an hour of lead time, and Brand is just going through the town, How? apparently searching everywhere. How did everyone end up at the restaurant? Oh, I have an explanation for this, okay. which we will get into uh, when we reach that part. Uh, let's see. So this is where we meet Troy, the classic uh, high school douche character from the 80s. <laughs> oh, like, he could be, you could interchange him into any other 80s movie, and he'd fit in perfectly. They're all, like, this exactly the same. They've got, like... The Letterman's jacket and the swoosh hair, and they belong to the country club and are all waspy. Yeah, it's like, just the typical rich kid jock jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we meet him doing the skeeviest thing, which I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to look at, because there is a bit of debate of this in the movie, uh, but he is altering the mirror to look down Andy's shirt, I think is what she says later. That is what she says later, but the mirror looks like it's going up her skirt. Yes. Exactly. Which is not how that mirror works. True. I don't care how you manipulate the uh, the rearview mirror in your car. There's no way you are looking up a girl's skirt. Does not work. <laughs> Physics. Maybe it's a real weird car. Anyway, they find Brand, who's uh, running through the town with this pink bike. So Troy decides to be an uber jerk, uh, grabs Brand hand, and drives as fast as he can, pulling Brand along, uh, and tries to kill him by going around a turn, releasing his hand, and throwing him off of a cliff. This is the last time we see Brand for a while, which, as a child, kind of made me believe, oh, he's dead. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> killed him. Just another layer of sadness. You lose your house, you lose your brother. It's all fine. Though we catch up with the kids who are ditching their bikes because they have no sense of what anything is worth. Uh, and they find the next key in the puzzle, which Mikey has matched up the doubloon uh, to a lighthouse, a random rock, and a restaurant that was apparently there since the 17th century. That, that's the same thing that I was thinking about, was he pulls that the medallion, when he finds it in the attic, he's reading it, and it said, like, 1632 or something was the date on it. And then they go out there and find... A restaurant that lines up with it so apparently that building has been there for 300 years yeah and nobody questions it and we get our next uh clue in the puzzle which is 10 times 10 stretching feet to nearest northern point that's where you'll find the treat so they count 100 steps and find out that they well, should be in they the asked they said something about he says something about 10 times 10 and someone's like it's a hundred and i'm like <laughs> you guys are like 13 you can uh, figure this out probably data because you know racist yeah. but i'm just like <laughs> did that really need to be said out loud you guys could not figure out the 10 times 10 but, but you know they didn't even count out the hundred steps they made it like 60 and they had to stop and then they're like oh well it's about 40 more to the building it must be in that <laughs> restaurant yeah. it's close enough so the kids find people at the restaurant, and here Chunk is the only voice of reason among them. Oh. He will continue to do this until they ditch him to go down a murder tunnel. I, it has one of my favorite lines at this point where he said, they might be drug dealers, and Data says, drug dealers wouldn't be caught dead in polyester wear. <laughs> Which, to be true, they're not drug dealers. Yeah, and Data knows drug dealers. <laughs> Apparently. Let's see. So they get inside the restaurant. They meet Mama. Uh, who sits them down, they order four waters, and they don't escape 
even after she threatens to cut off Malf's tongue because he is ordering legitimate Italian food in an Italian restaurant. It's never really specified how long that restaurant's been closed because they say it's only a summer place. But then it looks like it's been closed for, like, decades. And somebody said that. But shouldn't they have known how long? It's My guess is upwards of 100 years. <laughs> but, I mean, it seems like they know the restaurant. So shouldn't right. they know how long it's been they, closed? They have a vaguer idea that it is a summer place. Summer place. Suggesting that some one of their parents went there with them one time. I don't know. It's just, okay, sure. Also, why did the Fratellis just... That they just went to this restaurant to they must have known that it was closed or something. Yeah, because that was they didn't know that it was an abandoned building. I think they chose this place so that uh, Jake Fratelli could make them dinner occasionally. Because we learn later that he's a chef. They could have gotten way farther than just like a mile away from where they broke out of jail. Oh, but they do have that equipment in the basement, so they needed space for that. Right. All right, so Mikey is displaying no intelligent here, but he is desperate. Uh, he goes downstairs after convincing them that he needs a restroom, and here's where he starts his psychosis by talking to One-Eyed Willie. And we meet Sloth for the first time. Uh, discover that he hates opera. He does. Uh, I, have, I have Sloth hates opera. <laughs> <laughs> and here's where the film does something very smart, because every shot that we're giving uh, of Sloth here is in the dark and from the behind. Uh, so they're not showing his face yet, which is a very smart move because it still works even 30 years later. We know that this is some sort of dangerous creature that they are keeping in the basement. Uh, he gets back up and Brand has teleported here and found his brother. Well, Brand is in the basement. He finds him in the basement. Uh, yeah, I think it's as I... he's coming up the stairs. And he gets surprised. How did, how did Brand get to where he's coming down to the basement when it took so much work for Mikey to get to the basement and Mom is just like... This is my explanation. Okay. This is a town of teleporting teens. Okay. So he teleported uh, past Mama. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but last we saw him, he was falling off of a cliff. It's true. With, with no idea of where his sibling or his friends are. <laughs> and he that just workout shows up well here. Yeah. Teeth survive pretty well. So mom kicks them out saying kids suck in Which a kids movie. A good line. <laughs> it was. It's real funny. Uh, they watch them leave after uh, they load a body into the car to leave and go dispose of it. Apparently the car doesn't hold two bodies because we find another one of them later. So Andy and Nameless Friend also teleport into the scene here. Uh, apparently they had followed Brand even They're after stalkers. throwing him off of a cliff and driving away in a car. They've apparently caught up to him somehow and are now a part of the group. And did where did Troy let them off that they made it back here so fast? Because yeah, he wasn't going to be like, well, and yeah, I'll go help why, you find the guy. Why did just Troy drop them off is the other question because I thought they were purposely together. Like, it's. I thought that they were dating or something, but then yeah, suddenly she's in love with Brand. Yeah, it's the weirdest love triangle. It's the weirdest love triangle. wearing Troy's like Letterman jacket or whatever the female equivalent is. It's like a. It's not really it a, a Letterman cardigan, jacket. It's a it? cardigan. It's a monogrammed cardigan. <laughs> but it seems like she doesn't really like him at all. But she has his jacket and she's in his car going somewhere. But she's going on a date with Brand and she seems to actually like him. So it's it's a real. 
I, like, she said something like, oh, we made him leave us because he was being a jerk or something, but it didn't really well, say Well, yeah, he where. threw someone off a cliff. <laughs> anyway, so the kids continue to search for One-Eye Willie's treasure, uh, and Andy convinces Bran to give them a few more minutes because she wants a little sexy time without the kids there. That's another thing that continues multiple times. Yes. So they, they get, go down to the basement. They get blocked a lot, like... Oh, yeah, this is coming up. Uh, they, I think they break into Chunk's room again. He screams, scaring all of them. Uh, and this is Chunk where... Chunk has a room? Not Chunk, I, Sloth. Sloth. I keep confusing the two. <laughs> <laughs> but Andy and Brand nearly kiss twice in quick succession here. Because they are about to kiss when Chunk, when Sloth screams, uh, b- causing them to fall on each other in a way that people only do in movies. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and they nearly kiss again when uh, Chunk is like, shame, shame, they know oh, your it's, name. it's so funny. <laughs> and there's a great line after that when Andy's, like, just looking at Bran like he's the hottest thing ever. And Steph looks at her and goes, you are in the clouds and we are in a basement. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she and has this some is great why lines. I love Steph, because she's like... <laughs> Get it together. Because she is a realist in a movie of people who are completely delusional. She is. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, Chunk has a drinking problem here as he tries to get a drink from this, um, uh, what is it, water dispenser? Yeah, he just sticks his full face under it. <laughs> uh, Mikey takes a fire poker uh, and smashes it on the ground, uh, creating a rippling effect throughout his entire body. And this is where we get the second uh, instance of Bran's nickname as Mikey c- says to his brother, Stop it, Josh! <laughs> uh, let's see. So Chunk breaks that water thing, uh, and the water flows down. They find a secret tunnel. This is where we get a plot point that is not uh, fully explored in the movie because Data has found the world's lamest printing press. We get a uh, movie mistake here because the presses, the, the metal pieces, are clearly depicting $100 bills, but they are printing 50s. And they are only doing this on one side on basically computer paper. And somehow Brand can tell the difference between fake money and real money. Well, well I think it's because it's only on one side. printed it in the basement? <laughs> and it just got printed. Yeah, none of this like, makes sense. They're real dumb. They're like, <laughs> oh, it's money, we can save the house. And they're like, you morons, they just printed this. This is obviously fake. This, this is not this the treasure. This happens time and time again where they think they found the treasure, but apparently, nope, can't have this treasure. This is not what we're looking for. Keep moving. Yeah. Uh, here's where Chunk is again, the voice of reason. But then he's super distracted by the smell of ice cream, which he can smell through a freezer door. Yes, Chunk has a supernatural sense of and smell. why is there so much ice cream there anyway? Did they bring the ice cream? I think it's left over from the restaurant a hundred years ago. The hundred-year-old restaurant. <laughs> but there's so much ice cream. There's like 20 yeah. containers of ice cream. Maybe it's to feed Sloth, because he really he likes his sloth. rocky road. It's true. Uh, so anyway, uh, he's hanging out with ice cream. They discover the other dead body that apparently couldn't Which, fit in the car. That body's only been there for, at the most, what, an hour or two? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's completely frozen over. But then when when they take it out later to put in the car, it's completely defrosted again. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, the Fratellis return, and the, the Goonies decide they need to hightail it. They can't go upstairs. The only way down is through this mysterious tunnel that they just found. No one realized that Chunk is missing. 
Uh, and Mikey gives the most meta line here, saying, it all starts here. It all starts here on fake fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, the only thing I can think is they talk about how the pirates dug these tunnels... Uh, when they got trapped in their mm-hmm. ship however many years ago. The only thing I can think is that somehow the restaurant got built on top of those, so maybe the restaurant is not the same age as the treasure, but it yeah. just happened to be built on top of these tunnels somehow. But I don't know why the tunnel would be in a fireplace. The other idea I had would be that the restaurant, that business, is much younger than the building it resides in. So maybe that building served another purpose and they reappropriated it to a restaurant. Maybe. It's never fully explained. Also, how did all of these maps and things get to be all of these places anyway if all of the pirates died on the ship? Oh, they explained They even this talk about that. Do they? Yes. I stopped paying attention. <laughs> In the attic, they do say uh, one of the guys must have escaped. Right. One of them. That yes. was it. Who was both fluent in English for the rhymes and Spanish to write it down. And really had a lot of time on his hands. Instead uh, of just being like, they're all dead, I don't care, whatever, I'm going to peace yeah. out. So this is where I thought the Fratellis capture Chunk. Which, but no, it happens later. Uh, Chunk could totally go with them. Uh, before the Fratellis come down, he gets out of the freezer and alerts all of them that he's not with them. But they decide, no, the fattest child should go up the wall through this small window and go alert the police. We get down, uh, and they ask uh, if anybody has a flashlight, and Data has the brilliant idea to bring out his worst invention. These things illuminate everyone, blinding his friends, and last all of ten seconds. Is that when Steph loses the glasses? I think so. They're shortly after. Yeah, it's somewhere in the cave pretty early. Uh, We cut back to Chunk here real quick, who stops the one car in the world that can't help him. Yeah, Chunk is kind of an idiot during this this whole part. Chunk is an idiot. Yeah. Oh, and Mark, you caught a uh, movie mistake here. I did. Oh, oh yeah, the I did. I, <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. So it's actually kind of a cool shot because you can see the guy's face in the mirror without actually seeing into the car. So it's it's a fun way to say, you know, it's that, oh, crap feeling because now I'm caught again. But... He starts singing opera again, as he does often in this movie. And, Pretty well, though. And it cuts back to the shot where you're looking at Chunk's face and you see this guy in the mirror. But at the time, he is singing opera. His mouth is closed around a cigarette. Yeah, so it's I noticed that too. One more of these editing fails in the movie where something is happening <laughs> that doesn't make sense with what you're seeing. Maybe right. it's just like Mary Poppins, where his reflection has its own personality. Ooh, I like that idea. I like any supernatural element we can add to this film for fun. <laughs> All right, so we cut back to the Goonies down in the tunnels, and we get we encounter our first challenge, uh, which is... Uh, a pipe room. Apparently, pipes in this world are not secured at all. Uh, so pulling on them, any loose pipe in here will immediately cause anything above it to come crashing down. Also, they have to get to these pipes. Yes. And the way you got to these pipes was through the fake fireplace in a building that the country club doesn't own. Right. So I guess the country <laughs> club forces people 
who are do performing maintenance to go down the secret tunnel every time. You think they would have been easier for them to find the pirate ship if that was the case? <laughs> yeah, somebody must have stumbled down there at one point or another. Maybe, maybe that's what originally Copperpot was. He was just like a, a plumber. Yeah, so they, they asked Mouth, whose father is a plumber, what these pipes are for. And then they just start banging and pulling on these pipes. Uh, we get some of my favorite shots here, uh, where it's uh, a trombone effect on a water fountain. Uh, we get Troy smashing into the ceiling, which should kill him. Um, there's a there's a nice soap on a rope, which I yep. forgot was a thing. <laughs> oh, in that, that same too. scene, uh, there's a man with an eye patch taking a shower. Yes, yes, and I'm like, there's oh, a pirate in, in the country club, uh, but like so, the faucets pulling out of the wall. That is not how any of those things no, work, but it it's is hilarious. Really not. It is still it's, a, it's great a great scene. Effect. Oh yes. no, it's a great scene. It, it's uh, the Goonies inadvertently doing a rich men versus poor man effects and destroying a country club in the process. And it's it's revisited at the end when Chunk and Sloth go through. Oh god, yeah, where they play the sound effects CD. No, it, I think he just pushes it up and there's just screaming. It, and the best part about so you mentioned the drinking fountain. I think mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, there was one guy who was drinking out of it and it kept going up and down. He couldn't get it. Somebody else sat there watching the whole thing and then decided he was going to try. <laughs> it's pretty maybe, great. maybe he'd have better luck. <sighs> yeah, so we cut back to Chunk here, we get some more child torture. Uh, there's a delightful moment where Trunk gives them a full rundown of his entire <laughs> life of crime. Yeah. It, it's weird because they got betrayed, the Goonies, because Trunk is an idiot. Like, he's immediately like, they're looking for Trevor, they've gone through oh. the grate, like, immediately sells them out. Well, and they don't yes. believe him. And, but then he gives them extra time because he's also an idiot and decides to start at the very beginning and go on this like hour long rant of everything but, bad he's ever done. In and his they life. make some quick cuts back to the Goonies, back to Chunk, yeah. and he is still going. And, and they're letting was, him do it. They're that, just letting him ramble. It was the part that actually made me actually like the Fratellis, even though they're kind of the villains, like, especially the two brothers. They're just like the crazy sidekicks and they're actually kind of fun to listen to when they start fighting with each other they're they're then, a lot less mean than the mama exactly Mama's oh yes evil but and they're just kind of dumb chunk starts telling his story and um the one guy that i forget his name mr opera is <laughs> yes, the italian jake. name jake <laughs> he, he's he's that's when he goes you know i think i'm starting to like this kid or something yeah like that. and they're, they're just sitting sweethearts. there laughing uh so we cut back real quick to the goonies who have reached challenge two which is a narrow hallway with boulders suspended by chains overhead uh here we meet chester cobblepot uh and mikey <laughs> copper exp- pot is it really copper pot because yes. I've got Cobblepot written down. <laughs> you just had that name in your brain, I guess. Uh, anyway, we experience more psychosis with Mikey, uh, and Andy is losing her goddamn mind. This is where she goes into, uh, why wouldn't I let him look down my dress? I'm a pretty girl, and all right? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a good body, right? I'm pretty. <laughs> and and Brand is just like, yeah, you're pretty. I don't really understand the psychology of this because at one point she's going crazy that she's going to die down here and mm-hmm. in like five minutes she's ready to start making out again. 
Oh, I, yeah. What? Uh, there has to be some psychological effect that goes along with that. It's something like Stockholm Syndrome, uh, where you're trapped in an area and love the people that you're with. It's something like that, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, they decide to loot the body. Uh, so they find candles mixed in with dynamite. Data decides he's going to put booby traps, which he delightfully calls booty traps. Mikey finds a tripwire and does the smartest thing of just pulling the tripwire. Yeah, why did he not? Why did he pull the wire? He is the master of Rube Goldberg machines. Why would you pull the wire? They just discussed booby traps. Booty, <laughs> booty traps. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> That's another thing that was mentioned oh. in the special features, as long as we're talking about this. Sure. Apparently, Sean Astin and um, Data, who I forget his real name, but apparently those two came up with that bit on their own while they oh. were filming. Oh. That's I, very I think sweet. Because uh, Sean Astin's character, Mikey, has this whole thing where he says the wrong thing is corrected, and his mother yeah, has the same the character same trait. It's like this weird genetic thing. <laughs> Uh, so it causes another Rube Goldberg machine to release the stones. Now, this trap is impractical for several reasons. Uh, one, you have to get to the very end to pull the uh, the trip wire, and then it releases the stones in succession, starting with the one furthest away from you. If your goal is to kill people walking down the hallway, they will already be past the stones before they reach them. Also brings to question, how did the rock fall on Chester, whatever his name is, and not release <laughs> any of the other stones? Yeah. Magic? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they soon encounter challenge three, which is bats. Bats. <laughs> I think you mean rubber things on strings. Oh, maybe. Bran moves a rock, uh, and I think Steph, or Nameless, uh, tells him not to do it because God put that rock there for a reason. <laughs> she did. <laughs> it was her. Because she has some great lines. <laughs> that rock that she was able to see without her glasses. Oh, yes, of course. The glasses have no effect. They're really for show, Mark. She's the world's first hipster. Terrible, terrible bats antagonize the group of Goonies. Uh, we get a quick cut back to Chunk. The bats are released, uh, alerting the Fratellis that he was telling the truth the whole time, just in time to save Chunk's hand. Uh, so now we've got a ticking clock where the Fratellis are in search of the Goonies. So they reach challenge four, which is resisting the wishing well. Uh, I don't see how this place would function as a well, because I don't believe the bucket goes into the water at all. Maybe it used to, and now it's just a wishing well, but it used, it's not even a real well. In the pre-show for this one, I mentioned that Corey Feldman gives a speech here, which I thought was the theme of the movie. I was totally wrong on that. It is Sean Astin who gives the it's, speech later yes. on in the scene. Uh, but I do have written down Corey Feldman's lines, which are pretty great. Uh, so they find the coins. Mikey says, you can't oh, take them because they're wishes. It? Yes. Yeah, he's like, yeah, but you know what? This one? This one right here. This was my dream. My wish. And it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. And then he disappears underwater. It's phenomenal. Every character gets a meltdown. Well, and it fits the theme of the movie pretty well because it's all about them getting kicked out of their home. Let's see. Here's where we get our first look at Sloth, which in the darkness honestly does not look that bad to me. 
What did you guys think of the makeup? Practical effects, I always prefer over CG stuff anymore because it is so overdone. Well, they do tend to age yeah. better. Like, you can definitely tell it's a mask, but it, it, it doesn't look like it's super outdated mask. Right. As yeah. opposed to, like, CG, as soon as it is a generation behind, you're like, oh, that's super old. Practical effects, even if they look fake, they can look current. If that makes any sense. Which yeah. I think is why in the new Star Wars, they went back to practical effects because the CG just aged on them and looked terrible. I kind of agree with that, but I think practical effects now would still look better than well, yeah. 30-year-old practical effects. Mm -hmm. But But, I mean, as far as trying to make some kind of disfigured monster creature but still somebody who you kind of have to love later on in the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's something that it's it's disfigured, but not so much to a point that you are overly disgusted and want to hate it. As he has the, to be as lovable. Yeah. yeah. And is, is Sloth his nickname based on the way he looks? Sloth might be his real name. That is the only thing they call him throughout the entire film. Like, True. even when yeah. Mama is trying to suck up to him doesn't bother calling him by any other name. So, I, I think Sloth makeup does hold up for me. I definitely kind of sensed it was... Uh, it almost seemed real in certain scenes, particularly in the darkness. When he gets in the light, it's a little easier to tell that the, the effects have yeah. worn with age. Uh, but in the darkness, works incredibly well. Anyway, back to the wishing well. Mikey is dying to keep them going. This is where we get the theme of the movie and his very impassioned, emotionally manipulative speech to get a bunch of children to keep risking their lives for the potential of treasure. I forgot to mention Troy, who is still a douche, at the top of the well. After getting thrown off the toilet. Yeah. Yeah, somehow he's fine and back cleaned up and talking about wanting to sleep with Andy. His, his and... daddy must have helped him out. Mm, must have. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it it throws another wrench in their relationship because his friends are asking if he's made it with Andy yet. So clearly they have some sort of a relationship going on, even though she is clearly into brand. Yeah, like she seems to really hate Troy. Well, he he's is just a douchebag. There, he's, just, he's the worst. Uh, Maybe she just really likes the car and the cardigan. <laughs> oh, that cardigan though. She is about to lose it because they send it up in place of her, and nobody notices while pulling up this bucket that is not supporting the weight of a human being. Yeah, that it's somehow a like couple ounce cardigan and not a hundred and something pound girl. <laughs> Oh, quick combat to Sloth and Chunk. Uh, Sloth discovers Chunk or chocolate and has apparently been gaslighting his family this entire time because he just decides to break the chains so they can have this baby Ruth. Well, they talk about he'd, he'd, been, he'd done it before because they say something about when they hear a noise, they're like, we, hopefully your brother hasn't broken his chains again. I don't want to go buy more. Oh, not buy more. They stole them from a zoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll cut back to Team A, who is the Goonies down in the Wishing Well. Um, they decide to read the map, uh, which reads, Copper Bones, Westward Foams, Triple Stones. 
and they discover this part of the wall uh, that's been completely covered up where Chester, what's his name? Copper Pot. Copper Pot. Uh, his key is going to fit into the wall. Uh, so this is challenge five for them, which is the murder hole. Um, they spin the wheel, following the instructions to the letter, and a, a section of ground breaks away, and Data falls nearly to his death on bamboo spikes. Uh, before using his most useful invention, uh, what were they called? The, um... Pinchers of Peril. Pinchers of Peril. Uh, which are basically a spring and novelty teeth. Uh, it also brings to mind, because Data survives and finds that there's actually a pathway down there. Is this the correct way to go? Is this the only way they can progress? So I'm wondering, you know, they use that key, which is yeah. what makes the floor open up. If Data wouldn't have been standing there, it would have just given them an opening to go down Maybe. without anyone falling. My other thought is that if Mikey had been a full-grown human being, he would be standing where Data was. Because he had to really get up against the wall and really force his arm in there, cause I think because he was too short. It kind of eats his arm. Maybe it would, like, hang you by the arm so you wouldn't fall down. <laughs> Just hold on to the key if you want to live. Well, no, because, th- like, a door closed on him, too. Yeah. Hmm, that's right. Anyway, uh, cut back to Chunk, who is calling the cops. There are two things about this. The cop um, recounts all the time that Chunk has called before. One is Iranian terrorists uh, taking over all the sizzlers across America. No, it was in the town. Oh, in the town. But How many sizzlers are in that town? <laughs> yeah, this is a tiny town. With multiple sizzlers. When ABC aired this movie, they were so afraid of offending people that they bleeped out the word Iranian. So terrorist was still a part of it, but just Iranian could not air on television. You could you could make it whatever terrorist you want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the second story he tells is the plot of Gremlins, which I thought was a really nice tie-in because Corey Feldman is in Gremlins. Well, also the person who wrote Gremlins wrote Goonies, I think. So that helps. Chris, uh, Chris Columbus. I don't know if he wrote Gremlins or just directed, but he did one of those things. We are back to Team A, who have made all down the murder hole. Uh, we can make out that the map has been burned and is completely blank on the back. The map is going to change without this movie. Um, so the burning, I learned, is from a deleted scene uh, because it's not burned at the beginning of the movie. Apparently there's a deleted scene where Choi lights the map on fire on one end. Let's see, And the team takes a bathroom break. Oh, and there's the whole something about the this is the little boy's room, this is the little girl's room, this is the men's room. <laughs> I think, though, I mean... It's it's interesting that most movies or TV shows that you would see just completely ignore bodily functions. <laughs> so it's a kind of nice to have a movie that actually takes that into account. Yeah. And I think it kind of just sets up an excuse for the next kissing scene. So that right. it has a reason to, to separate <laughs> some people from each other. This is where Andy hatches a terrible plan for smooches. She doesn't even leave the bathroom area. No, she doesn't. Her entire plan is to hide in the dark, scream Bran's name until he comes, and she says, hurry, I'm in here with my eyes closed. 
None of this makes sense because we've already f- know that Brand wants to make out with her. Right. She doesn't need to make a production. She can just be like, hey, Brand, you want to go in this corner and make out for a while? Yeah, definitely. No question. And then what? she wouldn't have accidentally kissed a 12-year-old. 13? How old are they supposed to be? Um, well, let's we see. Know Chunk relays uh, that he, his fourth grade story... Which says that they're at least that old. So maybe fifth or sixth grade would put I them at 11, 12-ish? Well, we know that Andy and Andy, Steph and Brand have to are probably around 16 because they say something later about, do you want to live to be 17? Right. Okay. And I wouldn't think that there'd be that big an age gap between Brand and Mikey, so maybe 12, 13. Okay, yeah. I don't know as far as the the script what their ages are supposed to be. Uh, again, I think I might be the only one who had the DVD of this, so oh, I actually are. paid attention to special features. And what's-her-name who played uh, Andy was, according to what she said on the commentary, she was 18 and Sean Astin was 14 at the time. But I don't know what their ages <laughs> wow. were according wow. to the show. But but I know that there's Mouth has a line when they're doing the piano thing yes. where he says to Andy, do you yeah. want to live to be 17? Yeah. And since Brand is just taking his license, That's right. they'd probably be about 16. Yep. Interesting. So anyway. The other thing about this kissing scene mm-hmm. is that nameless Stephanie. Yep. Mm-hmm. is hiding in the dark and then brings out a oh, light right. just to watch them kiss yeah, and then she, she walks away again. She knows what happened. She's a real creeper. Because she, she like basically trolls her later about it. She's just like, you probably should open your eyes next time. Why are you laughing? <laughs> she knows so why she's funny. laughing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, to go into detail, Mikey goes instead of Brand. Uh, she kisses Mikey and has no idea, thinking that Brand suddenly grew braces and was standing in a hole. <laughs> she's not very smart. No, it's fine. No, she's, she's not. Pretty. She's not up there with the brains department. But she's pretty, and she can play the piano. There you go. That's a life she skill. She can kind of play the piano. <laughs> she can kind of play the piano. Uh, so Fratellis uh, have caught up to them, uh, sending flashlight beams down the murder hole, uh, alerting the team A, the Goonies, that they have caught up to them. So the Goonies, specifically Brand, notices this and is quiet and sneaky for like a second. He puts his hand over uh, Andy's mouth to tell her to be quiet and then five seconds yeah. later they just They're yell, just run. shouting, we need to run, we need to run. Uh, they escape through a skull. no sense. Uh, and let's see... Fratellis have made it down the murder hole. No problem. We're not stuck on that. So they are just like 10 feet behind the Goonies as they're going through. The sound clip they used for Mama as she is running to meet the kids is horrendous. <laughs> it is like a grunting pig is following them. It's like... Mm, 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 mm. Mm-hmm. Do that again? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> It's pretty awful. Uh, So challenge six is the bridge over troubled water. They never show how deep or how fast the stream is. Could they just have walked across the stream? Uh, It's entirely possible. I mean, the Fratellis get out of the stream no problem later. Uh, We actually don't watch any of them cross the bridge. They, like, go onto it, and then they're immediately across. We get another of Data's inventions here, which is slick shoes 
and I want to discuss the impracticality of this thing. So what it is, the heel of his shoes opens up and it squirts oil behind him. Is this useful in any other context except going across a bridge? Oil is always good when people are chasing you. But like, but imagine you're running away bully from scheme? bullies, right? You trigger this, it flies out. Your legs are not going to be behind you the whole time. It's going to fling oil up onto you as your legs are running behind you. Now, there's no use to this. I have no idea what he was thinking. And, the, and I think the way he triggers it is by pulling strings on his vest, and somehow that makes his shoes open. Oh, right. So that means the strings must go, like, all the way down to his shoes. Well, His yeah. pants are just made of wires. That, that box on his, be- his vest, or his chest, is kind of the central control system for all of his inventions that he happens to take with him everywhere. Uh, let's see. So, brothers stride across the bridge... Uh, to chase the Goonies, we get yet another hit in the crotch as both of them fall down. Uh, That's and... another very 80s, early 90s mm. thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Everyone then there's a the sudden uh, rush of water that washes them into a drink. So now, Sarah, we have reached challenge seven, which is... The Goonies find the Game of Thrones. Or, as I put it, playing the bones. But they look at it first, and it just looks... Like the Game of Thrones, like, Throne. sword yes. thing. So, uh, we get another one of their clues here on the map. To move on, play the tune, as each note is said. If you make too many mistakes, ye will surely be dead. But he doesn't say dead right away. No, he, he, no. Says, he, says, he says it, it in Spanish. Spanish. What and does then muerto like, mean? Dead. <laughs> uh, le- this is one uh, another one of One Eye Willie's completely impractical traps. This can be triggered exactly once. Uh, but anyway, here we get your um, talk about seventeen because Andy apparently played the piano when she was four. Uh, Data is checking on the Fratellis. Yeah, we get another one of his inventions, which is a boxing glove. With all of the stuff in his coat, he should be like huge. He should be like a tiny head and a huge body. <laughs> Which is one of the deleted scenes, actually. His his coat inflates into, like, oh, a big airbag. Of course it is. Do they use it uh, in the lake later? For, like, no, a raft? Um, I think it was while they were on the ship. So, another question I want to have. How do you build a fully functioning pipe organ out of human body parts? I don't know, because I don't know how... I guess. I, well, I guess you push you the keys, the and then like the lungs would squeeze the air out while you hit the keys. Also, I had this creepy thought: uh, Was this built after they skinned their pirate comrades, or was this built with flesh on the bones that eventually rotted away? Cool. Uh, I don't want to think <laughs> about that. Can't we just go to to the happy part yeah, that comes after yeah. this? Uh, wait, so wait, the we, water we can't skip it yet. Go ahead. Because here's what? one that Sarah will appreciate as a music person. Will I? There's the one part where it's the very last one that they have to get in order to get to escape. And Andy is looking at the music and she says, I can't tell if this is an A sharp or a B flat. They're the same thing. <laughs> Hooray. So, and that, of course, then Mikey has his terrible joke. Oh, if you, do, if you screw this up, then we're all going to be flat. Oh, yes. That is. <laughs> it's, it's another time where Mikey says some, a joke and everyone just kind of looks at him <laughs> like he's a moron. Yeah. They're like, no, not good. 
<laughs> poor, poor Mikey is not going to be a comedian. Uh, so they make it through and they find the best water slide ever. I yeah, wanted to ride that's... this so bad as a kid. Make a Goonies amusement park with a water slide. I was thinking the exact same thing. A Goonies thing. water park. Yes. With like a Goonies water park. And there'd be the big pirate ship in the middle. Yeah. yeah. And all like the shops could be the restaurant. Uh, any of like the hotels, if you want to have them, could be the Goondocks neighborhood. Uh, yeah. This uh, is a so brilliant idea. Do we have to copyright put our, put our claim pending, on this pending. so nobody else takes it? <laughs> Uh, so, on it the water slide, building. everyone is riding normal except for Nameless, who is flopping around like a fish, <laughs> tumbling over herself, as if she has never been on one of these things before. But it is an amazing water slide because at the exit, each person is coming out of like a different hole. They all took the same path, but somehow wound up in separate parts of this wall that releases them into the bay. Uh, so, we have made it past all of the challenges. The Goonies have found the ship they've been looking for the entire time. Uh, and they start exploring the ship, finding lots of dead bodies. You have to wonder, who killed these men? Some of them are in full clothes. Some of them are just hanging out. It is completely unclear how they died. Earlier when they're telling the story, didn't he say that he and his pirates all built the tunnels and all the traps, and then he killed all of them afterwards so nobody could tell? Where yes. it was. And we will get to one eye Willy in a second. Before we do, Data falls through yet another hole and loses his goddamn mind. <laughs> it's true. I just remember it sounded really awkward because it sounds like he's trying to ad lib it and he just kept repeating himself over and over. Yeah, he was just he, he was sick of holes, he was sick of <laughs> I'm sick of all these traps. They're telling me that my inventions are not very good, even ten even though I spent all this time studying them and inventing them. And then they're like you could have taken the stairs. <laughs> and he's like, telling me to take the stairs when I fell in a hole? So, rest of the team joins him below. Uh, and this is where the entire team turns on Mikey because they have not yet found the treasure, even though they haven't searched the entire boat yet. They flipped the switch and real fast. None of them wanted to find it in the first place. And now right. suddenly that they're there, they're all mad that they could, don't have it yet. Yeah, so while they're turning on him, Andy finds a secret rope that reveals... I guess the reverse of a trap door from the ceiling they reveals a section of planks which clearly have writing on them, but nobody bothers to read it. At this point, they don't care. They're just like, break the hole. I don't just, care. It's going to be done. a puzzle about how treasure works. Just punch through No more through Spanish. It. Yeah, and I had to watch this a couple of times because I remembered Brand, the strongman of the group, punching through the boards because that's what strong men do. But no, he lifts his brother up into this hold, and Mikey is able to just punch through these solid wood boards. So I don't know if he's taking karate or something, or whether he just gets strength through genetics. Uh, asthma power. <laughs> asthma power, go! <laughs> well, he is taking a lot of extra drugs in his inhaler, so... Mm -hmm. It's a lot of... And Mikey is finally coming to terms with his psychosis as he meets One-Eyed Willie in person. Uh, he starts bragging to a dead body as how he solved the traps. And he's like, we're the same. Yeah, and every skeleton in this room has died around a table, making me believe that they were just having 
like a progress meeting when they all suddenly collapsed or they were just sitting there for eternity doing nothing to save their lives do pirates have progress meetings um maybe maybe i'm not a pirate i would have to ask one maybe that guy with an eye patch in the shower would be able to tell me one-eyed willie didn't have it didn't just have one eye. It was like he had no eye hole yes. at all. Yeah, it was just complete bone over that part of the skeleton. I didn't remember that part, so I was still expecting just, you know, he lost an eye like a normal pirate, but no. Which means that Mikey Walsh is an incredibly impolite child. I mean, you see a guy, you don't ask him how he lost his eye. But no, he flips it up. He's like, oh, that's why they call you One-Eyed Willie. One-Eyed Willie. Because <laughs> you have. Uh, so Mikey's bragging to them and we get a quick cut back behind him apparently every single kid in the team has gone up the hole without alerting him at all and they've just been watching this guy lose his mind talking to a skeleton it's fine because the psychosis saves them later that's true Uh, let's see so kids load up on treasure specifically saving some for Willie which will come up later and they hatch a plan uh, to outwit the Fratellis and get out of the cave just as the Fratellis uh, arrive and point guns at them. Now, the Fratellis come in through a door. No secret doors. No holes or boards they have to punch through. This is just a door on the ship the Goonies could have gone through. So it leads me to believe they didn't do any exploring at all before turning on Mikey. Well, no, they just fell through the hole and... <laughs> and apparently that was the nuts. way to go. Holes, it's how we've done the entire adventure so far. They got cabin fever real fast. Oh, let's see. Oh, and this is where Data, after losing his mind, is completely confident in his abilities. His big plan after punching himself with his own invention uh, is to use the thing we saw in the beginning of the movie, where he shoots a dart... Luckily, Mama turns the gun just in time for the dart to hit it. We have previously seen this invention pull an oil can closer to him with some relative speed, but Mama apparently has strength of bear and just holds on to that gun so that Data runs into her and then she immediately drops it. It falls down the hole and they forget about it, but it's still attached to Data, right? That's true. Unless it, like, releases, does it? I, does he have, like, a release button? I don't know. Let's see. So the Fratelli's tie up only the girl's hands. Uh, kids lose all the treasure that they found. Uh, so this entire adventure has been pointless. Mama and holds supposedly. all the treasure in his mouth. So the Fratelli's start throwing the kids overboard. Uh, we lose Andy and Brand into the water. Uh, they're about to dump Nameless and Mouth. When, lo and behold, Sloth and Chunk have been here the entire time. Apparently they've just been waiting up in the rafters for the right moment to reveal themselves, and this is apparently it. Because Sloth wants to reenact that movie he really likes. (laughs) That he watched earlier. Uh, Sloth decides that he is going to save them, same way his movie character did. So he swings on a rope, grabs the two kids, brings them back onto the boat, distracts the Fratellis so the kids can escape, which they do... By jumping off of the boat. Basically escaping the same way that the Fratellis were planning on torching them. Making his his rescue completely pointless. We learn a lot about the Fratellis family here. Sloth is defending uh, the rest of the team from them. Apparently they wanted to leave him at a zoo. 
Uh, they dropped him more than once as a child, which he remembers, even though he's a baby at the time. Well, who knows how old? Well, which makes me think, is his face... It has to be messed up genetically, but it is also partially messed up because she kept dropping him well, on his face. Because she was singing that lullaby to him about the bow breaking and, and, yeah. and the cradle falls. <laughs> and that's what reminded him. And he's like started freaking out and was holding the side of his face. So it makes me think that it was something about him being dropped is what actually did it to him. But I mean, he has several issues. So yes, yes he does. <laughs> so maybe it's a combination. But there's also he pulls off his shirt and has the Superman shirt at one point and they say something about we're in trouble now. Is this something he does on a regular <laughs> basis? Like when he gets real mad he just rips off his oh, shirt. Mama seems surprised he was wearing that shirt, even though he must have been wearing it for the entire time they kept him in the basement. It's true. But but is he just or but one is it one of the brothers that say we're in trouble yes, now? Like Jake. that Both just is what them. happens when he gets really mad and they're just kind of used to, he just becomes Superman when he's angry. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we can't deal with Sloth today. He's Superman. Yeah, so Sloth fights his brothers. Uh, Mama tries to console him to no avail. And they both end up in the water. Sloth goes with the Goonies. Mama comes back onto the boat. Um, so they're trying to find a way to escape. They light the last candle, which turns out to be dynamite. Now, we were alerted to this earlier in the film. It is clearly printed on the middle, on the side of the thing, dynamite. Also, there was multiple dynamite. What happened to the rest of the dynamite? Uh, apparently, it, they turned into candles. Apparently. <laughs> but they light it. It explodes, uh, which breaks open, but also causes a rock to go in front of their escape. Uh, and this is where Sloth sacrifices his freedom to let the rest of the Goonies escape. It's a very sweet moment, ending with him telling Chunk that he loves him. Oh, yeah. Sloth loves Chunk. <laughs> uh, let's see. So the Fratellis on the ship steal Willie's gold, causing the final Rube Goldberg machine to trigger, uh, which raises anchor and unfurls the sails, which, if you think about it, shouldn't do anything. Because there is no wind in this cave. That ship should go nowhere. It's a magic cave. It's a magic Maybe, maybe the tide was going out, and it just happened to carry maybe. it out there. All right. I will grant you that. <laughs> but the only reason this didn't trigger earlier mm-hmm. is because Mikey had a breakdown and was saying, no, we have to leave that for One-Eyed Willie. Of course. He just somehow magically knew they couldn't take the stuff off the scale. All right. Here's a question for you. So... Uh, the side of the cave opens up, which lets the ship escape. Is this caused by the Rube Goldberg machine or the cave-in caused by the dynamite? I th- was all of the cave-in caused by the dynamite? That's my understanding. I I thought part of it was caused by the Rube Goldberg machine. Right. Cause I don't know how. If they didn't release the dynamite, is that ship just crashing into a wall? Don't think so. I think the wall was part of the Rube Goldberg machine. I don't know how. I don't think it makes any sense. But I think in the magical land of the Goonies, that is how it was working. (laughs) Mark, you watched it twice. Is there any director commentary vis-a-vis Here's another question about this is if... If there was a giant wall full of rocks there, how did any of the water get into that cave in the first place? Oh, uh, I think this was explained earlier uh, because One-Eyed Willie went into the cave and the British uh, collapsed the cave around him, effectively trapping him. I think that's the story of One-Eyed Willie. And there are streams and stuff, hence the water slides. But 
Also, what is the point of having your ship sail away if you're all dead on it? That is an excellent question. Uh, so the Goonies are on the beach, and a bunch of beach cops on dune buggies find them. And apparently, these cops call everyone. They call their families. They call a news crew. Uh, they even call Troy's dad, who is only there to do business. Yeah, he's like, we gotta sign these papers now. Now that, you're, now that your children aren't dead, we need to sign this contract. So it's a very touching moment where Goonies rejoin the family. Um, you can identify Chunk's dad immediately because he's wearing the same costume as his son. And his mom brings him a pizza. <laughs> That's right, his favorite pizza. So, it's so how, cute. what were the order of operations there? Did they order that last night and then just not eat it because Chunk wasn't there? Did they order it when they discovered that Chunk had been found so that they had a Fred's pizza for him? I don't know, but like, it was it was cute. Each of like kind of the families. You could see how the families formed together. Because yeah. before you had just really seen Mikey and Brand with their parents. But but you saw, like, Data's dad had the obsession with, with inventions like he did. and uh, So, Steph here. And I'm calling her Steph because the film has finally introduced her once she was out on a ledge. <laughs> uh, Steph and Mouth have a real moment here. I honestly thought they were going to kiss. and I th- <gasps> So did I! <laughs> and I, th- I think... If they didn't have such an age gap and it wasn't super weird, they probably would have if this was any other movie. You could have you could have Goonies the reunion where they're now both in their forties yeah. and the age gap is reasonable, but but it was just they'd fought the whole movie and suddenly they'd kind of realized they were the same person. And they had survived a ridiculous encounter. So, Sarah, as a woman I want to get your opinion on something Andy says to Mikey here. The line is, you keep kissing girls the way you do. The parts of you that don't work so good, they'll catch up to the ones that do. Does that make any sense from a female perspective? Uh, (laughs) I guess maybe if you kiss good, it doesn't matter if you're ugly. (laughs) Or his lungs. Maybe his lungs. Maybe it doesn't matter that his lungs are terrible because he can kiss good. <laughs> Though, I think, that, I think the second answer you provided there is super accurate because Andy goes to join Brand. They have a real moment. They kiss. Yeah, and, he, like, flings his yeah, inhaler. Yeah, Mikey just decides he is no longer asthmatic. That's not how it works. <laughs> uh, the power was inside him the whole time. He does that a couple times in the movie where he gets, like, Something happens and he just kind of tosses in it. That one he tosses it to get rid of it. But earlier in the movie, he gets frustrated at something. And he's just fed up and he just like flings the <laughs> inhaler and he's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, you need that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Fratelli's come out. Uh, the children save Sloth. Chunk decides on his own that he is adopting Sloth without discussing it at all with his parents. <laughs> I can't wait for that conversation when they get home. Mom, I found this really strong, mentally handicapped adult. Can we keep him? (laughs) That can wiggle his ears real good. Oh, God, those ears are nutso. (laughs) Maybe that's why he's called Sloth. So, Troy's father breaks in to ruin all the fun, um, telling him that today's the day Mikey's dad has to sign this paper right away. Rosalita, the Spanish maid we met earlier, has been rummaging through Mikey's coat for no reason, and has found his marble bag, which, lo and behold, is full of gems. Uh, So Mikey's dad 
stop signing, they release the jewels into the mother's hand, and these are the most fakety fake jewels you have ever seen. Yeah, I think I can buy them at Hobby Lobby for like a dollar. Like this would be in a tiara for a six-year-old. But without... You want to get me that tiara? Yes. Uh, so without assessing the worth of these at all, it's possible they are worth hundreds of dollars. Uh, the dad just immediately rips up the contract and says, We're never signing, ever! Uh, throwing and the paper This was the one air. of the... Another one of these goofs that... It may not be a goof, but it's just funny to me. You see his hands go up in the air to throw the ripped up contract... And the shot stays there on the ripped up paper, and like half a second after he throws stuff, you see more paper fly up in the air behind him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe the other families had contracts too, that they're like, let's get on on this yeah. too. So, Troy did mention here that after their house, they do have 50 more houses to knock down. So, do you think a handful of jewels is enough money to pay for 51 houses? No. So, really, the father is saving himself at best. And they can't even go back and get the rest of the treasure. Cause yeah. Uh, we they, will. That is they could. a thing that I want to talk about they at the end of this boat. movie. Uh, <laughs> they just have see. to go catch the boat. It's okay. Uh, so, the press comes in to inquire about their jewels, and Data immediately lies to them, making up a story about an octopus. Oh. Yes. That uh, is a deleted, a deleted scene. Is that a deleted scene? <laughs> I, I did watch the scene, and I, I can understand why they took this thing out, because uh, the octopus does not look great. Uh, nameless punches mouth in the face. <gasps> no, that's great! And uh, they solve it by playing 80s music into the octopus's mouth, who kind of break dances <laughs> away. I did not watch the scene, but I'm going to have to go back and watch it now. <laughs> yep, yep, you will. Uh, it's terrible. So they start recounting their adventure. The police don't believe them until... Lo and behold, One-Eyed Willie's pirate ship emerges and sails off into the distance. And people just sit there watching it sail away. And that's a setup for Goshen. <laughs> uh, but why would they watch it? There is a fortune on that there boat. You find a rowboat. You find a speedboat. You find a jet ski. You get out there. You get that treasure. There's enough treasure on there to save 51 houses. Why do, why do they not go after it? Because uh, they're real dumb, remember? <laughs> booty traps. Oh, booty, booty traps, traps, of course. <laughs> and that was a full rundown of the Goonies movie play-by-play. Play. Let's get into some reviews. So this is using our infamous potato scale, which we may publish after we do some editing on it. Uh, so what did you guys think of this movie? Yeah, I, I went with Mashed Potato 2. I think this movie has aged overall really well there's some parts that didn't as much as others but it still feels like that movie that you can come home to and watch and and have this adventure with a bunch of friends that just want to be able to stay together and and watching it i don't know how many years later 20 years later i still enjoyed it yeah uh so my rating on this is going to be mixed because i watch this movie in parts so that i could take notes on it uh, so I, I stopped maybe a little over halfway through and up until that moment, I thought of it as a good, bad movie. Like the movie has a lot of crazy elements going on, but it's very fun to watch. Uh, you can put it on to make fun of it with your friends. Uh, and then second part, I finished the movie and it did become more of the 
emotional heartthrob. There's an emotional through line throughout the entire thing. Yes. Um, (laughs) That's not the word you wanted. Nope, sure isn't. Uh, But so with that emotional through line, that's the word I wanted. Um, It did become a mashed potato at the end. I still have to dock it points for how crazy the plot is with this and how many things don't make sense. Uh, So for that good-bad category, we have McDonald's fries, which are tasty but terrible for you. Uh, So mine is going to be a bowl of mashed potatoes with McDonald's fries stuffed into it. That is what I think of this movie. I I think I was willing to forgive a lot of the crazy stuff because it is an 80s movie. And it's not super realistic. It's it's a little over the top, and it, it certainly dates it. But not Magical in a bad realism. way. Yeah. Magical realism. It certainly dates it to the 80s, but not in a bad way. Just in a way that you can definitely pinpoint when it came out. For the fans that are listening to this to determine, should they rewatch this movie? I am a firm yes on this. It was a fun rewatch. Yes, definitely. Mark? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So that is our ratings. We now get into some games. So I asked you guys to write down a few things. Uh, the first game is pitching this movie. So pretend you are pitching this movie today. Describe it combining two or more other movies. So the example we did in the pre-show was that this was Indiana Jones meets Adventure and Babysitting. So what do you guys come up with? Mine I came up with was kind of similar and also a little too spot on because I mm-hmm. said Indiana Jones meets Home Alone, <laughs> which is a little too spot on because the the two writers, mm-hmm. it's Spielberg and Chris Columbus, who Spielberg is Spielberg. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Columbus was the director of the first two Home Alone movies. So that kind of is exactly what it is. <laughs> so apparently I, I just, I mean, that's what it is. It's like they formed one hive brain. Uh, so the two that I came up with, uh, was National Treasure meets Stand By Me, uh, and James Bond meets Pirates of the Caribbean. I can see you mean negative 07, or what was oh, it? Double, double O negative. negative. Yes. I think negative 07 makes more sense. Double O negative isn't a thing. <laughs> no, it's really not. The negative goes in the beginning of the thing. All right. So, second game, alternate subtitle. Uh, you have to give the Goonies... A one phrase description that accurately matches it or speaks the theme of this movie. Uh, the only example we had in the pre-show was that for The Hobbit, it'd be Dwarves Have No Chill. Still great. This is a, a newer game, so Mark did not have time to prepare. Uh, but Sarah, did you come up with anything? Um, mine is The Goonies. This summer, elaborate grave robbing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great. Uh, I have two written here. One is, The Goonies, screw your rich dad. (laughs) Also, The Goonies and the Tale of the Teleporting Teens. That sounds like a Hardy Boys thing. Which makes sense. They They do bring up the Hardy Boys. They definitely do. You just really wanted to focus on that teleportation. Oh, God. Explains everything. Because it happens more than once. Uh, Alright, so third and final game we have here is the TV Guide game. 
uh, this will be a description that is accurate, technically, uh, but totally misses the point of the movie. Uh, the one I gave in the pre-show, with slight modifications, is Group of meddling kids prevent immigrant family from making money. Mine was, kids go to extreme lengths to stop a golf course. <laughs> uh, I've got uh, another one here. Boy with extraordinary sense of smell adopts fully grown disfigured man. <laughs> All right, so the final segment here, uh, before we let you guys go, is introducing the movie that we're going to do next and telling anything we remember about it. So, Mark, you have picked out this movie. Do you have a game that you want to play so that me and Sarah can guess, or do you just want to go right into it? Well, I hadn't really thought about making it a game, but if you want to guess... Yes. It is along a similar theme... To okay, child murder. Goonies. Yes, no, not actually. <laughs> no. No. No, no, actually no, nobody no. dies. <laughs> Home alone. That's not true. Somebody will die. But... Somebody oh, somebody will dies. Die. We're getting closer. So there, they, it's a group of children. Stand by me. Who are traveling? Traveling because children. they lost their home, and they're trying to find Bible their way goes to west. a new place to live. Children hmm. lose their home. They're trying to find a new place. To it's live. not Bible Goes West. <laughs> no. <laughs> Land before time. Okay. Hey, hooray! I was gonna say oh, it is animated. Good. Oh, Yay! very so. Nice. So done. that the reason. Okay, it's picked basically for what I just said. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of follows a similar theme, not that someone is stealing their land from them, but their home gets disrupted, and they are forced to relocate. Okay. And in the process, they all kind of band together and figure out how to work together in order to get where they are going. Interesting. Yeah. All right, I see what you did there. I dig it. All right. Yeah. So, all I remember, Lamb for Time... Uh, I don't remember any of their names. I remember you know, all of their names. Really? You Ducky, had a brontosaurus, Littlefoot. Ducky, Littlefoot, uh, Petrie, and Sarah. Sarah. The most dinosaur name ever. Oh, I'm missing one. It is. Who am I missing, Mark? You're missing one. Uh, who's the big Spike. dumb one? Yay! Spike. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I know all their uh, names. I remember... So I... How do they all get left behind? Well, well, his because, mom dies. Because the great, yes, his mom dies, A. Yes. Then the parents are all on one side of the great divide, and the kids are on the other, and they have to find a way to get uh. back to where they're going. How about this yeah. movie messed me up emotionally? Like, <laughs> it was, See, and it was a really good movie as a kid, but I know that there are really emotional, sad parts, but there are also really good parts to it. And it was yeah. my favorite as a kid. I used to make my parents go out and rent it almost. We had family movie night every weekend, and I would okay. rent the same movie every week. I love so. Land Before Time, but it messed me up. And I remember there's a special leaf. They have to find the special yes. leaf. Mm -hmm. there's, it's very big leaf, Yes. It, it's, it's like a, bigger it's a than little star because it, yeah. yeah. yes. it's little always faces. in the shape little of foot little face star. Is what I meant. His name is not Little Face. <laughs> little Foot. You could call him Flathead, possibly. <laughs> Maybe. But there's uh, so like... what I remember. 
Uh, Ducky, does he always repeat himself? No, he repeats yup, yup. Mm, yep, yep. Ducky, Ducky is a girl. Oh, really? <laughs> I think as a child, I thought it was a boy. Ducky's I remember girl. that Petri's Sarah knows boy. who Ducky was because that has a sad story with it, but we can, oh. we can do that later, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, uh, I remember Sarah is a jerk, also the one in this movie. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Spike doesn't talk. True. Yeah, except in a later film. Ugh. We're not going to talk yeah, about, gonna talk about sequels. sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those we don't exist. Original property. Pure. We want to be pure. We um, want to see the good movie. Petrie had a real nerdy voice. Uh, but they just they gotta go find their family, and uh, they're being chased by a T Rex. Well, and it's kind of a coming of age story for each one of them individually, mm-hmm. as well as. Like a teamwork and re- realizing that you need other people, With- but like each one of them has their own process of going from being a kid to learning something. Was there any sort of like Lion King sort of dead parent in the clouds sort of scene? Doesn't he? Have- <laughs> yes. Yes. There is. What? See, it makes sense. <laughs> really? Where he like this sees his trope? mother in the clouds. Yes. Oh no. Uh, does he tell, does he tell, does he, does she tell Littlefoot never to forget who he is? Uh, I don't think so. But, well, no. Not in those words, but I, I guess know. it probably works. But, I uh, know I'm excited for this one. I loved this movie Yeah, as a kid. it'll be interesting. I'll see if I can't find it online, because I definitely don't own this movie. I own it on VHS, but I don't think that's going to help Ooh. me. <laughs> but the VCR, where is it? Who knows? <laughs> All right, so let's see. We need an outro phrase, guys. So do you want to spitball one here? <laughs> Does someone want to send us an email and tell us what our outro phrase should be? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Are we giving who's are we giving out Carl's oh. email address? <laughs> oh, good lord, no! I will create one for the podcast. So outro phrase, and we may cut a lot of this out. We're outy. <laughs> Please cut, <laughs> please cut all of this out. <laughs> all right, I will cut everything up into us coming out with outro phrases, and maybe clip in the ones we came up with. So we're Audi. We'll go in. <laughs> uh, the one that I had written down uh, was uh, always remember: don't watch the remakes, or don't see the remakes. Watch the originals. That's fine. All right, so that's gonna do it for this episode of Retrograding. As always. Don't see the remakes. Watch, Watch the, the originals. originals. <laughs> we'll work on it. Bye. <laughs>